2: Heck.
1: All right. Once again, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links on MMAFighting.com. Thank you for checking out the program this week. We have a fun matchup in store, and as always, a lot to discuss. So let's just get right into this thing. Let us introduce the combatants first. Back on the show, a former longtime reigning champion here on BTL from MMAFighting.com hosted the A side live chat, Mr. Jose Youngs. How's it going, sir?
3: Well, I don't know why I'm wearing this hat. It's really hot here in Arizona, even though it's November. Actually, you'll see why I'm wearing this hat, because my opponent, whose name is spelled incorrectly, decided he was going to wear this hat. His is purple. Mine's black. Mine's better. So I think that just sets the tone for this game show that I'm just better all around. So take it away. (laughs)
1: <laughs> there we go. And uh, the aforementioned person joining the panel for the first time, former UFC Flyweight, current Brave CF standout, part of their Flyweight title tournament, fought Sean Santella to a draw in the first round. Hopefully they rebooked that one soon, but happy to have Jose Shorty Torres on the show this week. Hat and all, how are you, sir?
4: I'm great. I just want to say I'm short and happy. Big things come in small packages and Jose with an accent has no chance against me because I just want to say starting off this podcast, I put this hat on. He goes, I want to be like the little guy comes back on screen with a hat. So he's already copied me. He's already in second place.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, like in, rea- in real life, no one wants to copy Shorty. So I figure we give him some virtual copying to kind of build his uh, confidence up for his next fight. So I'm just doing him a favor. That's how I'm viewing it.
4: The wow. bad thing is, I highly appreciate that. You're probably 100% right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are cooking with fire right off the bat. Let us continue making this meal right here on Between the Links. Let us start with UFC Vegas 13 this past Saturday night. We saw Glover Teixeira coming into his main event matchup with Tiago Santos as a sizable underdog. And he comes through in a big way. Picks up a third-round submission win. Five wins in a row for Glover Teixeira. But now... We have a little bit of a problem because he's clearly the number one contender for Jan Blahovic in the light heavyweight title, but plans seem to be in motion to have Jan Blahovic defend for the first time against Israel Adesanya. So Jose, we begin with you. I guess first off, what happens now? Where does Glover Tejera and his top contender spot go from Saturday night?
3: Well, Glover Teixeira is screwed at this point because not only is Israel Adesanya most likely going to fight Jan Blahovic for the light heavyweight title uh, to try to become a champ champ, if he wins, he's already saying he has no problem going up to heavyweight to fight John Jones. So he could hold up not just the middleweight division, but also the light heavyweight division. I know the middleweight division has a number one contender, too, in Robert Whitaker, but that that division is so stacked. Uh, and now that Darren Till is certain, say Jack Hermanson does beat Kevin Hollins, maybe they could fight moving forward. And I know we had talked about a lot if Darren Till had won, maybe he's. Skips the queue just because him and Israel have had so many uh, fun war of words on social media and they they also praise each other's striking. So it wouldn't have surprised me if that happened. But now that Darren Till is out, I think Robert Whitaker is the number one contender. He can fight Jack Hermanson if he beats Kevin Hollins. But Glover, there's no one left for him to fight uh, at this point. He's done everything. He's beaten everyone. He beat the number one guy. He's on the wrong side of 40. So if I'm Glover Shara, I wait. I either wait for my title shot against John Bolhovich. Or I fight for an interim title and maybe fight the winner down the road because there is, of course, the Dominic Reyes, Jerry Prohaska fight. If if Dom wins, maybe they can set up an interim title fight and if Jerry Prohaska wins, too. Or if they want to do Alexander Ratchik, that's cool, too. But if I'm glove chair at this point in my career, he's on the wrong side of 40. I do not fight unless it's for a title, given how much effort I've put in and how every time it seems like he loses. The UFC restarts and basically restarts him. He gets a lower-ranked opponent and he has to rebuild himself up. They're not doing himself any favors. He has no one left to fight. So if I'm Glover, I fight, I wait for my title shot or I fight for an instant title. Those are the only two options.
1: So I'm glover to share. Shorty, what do you think?
4: All right, put my gloves back on. So I think well, I think I'm better, but I just want to say overall with Glover, he's on a fight-fight-winning streak against Two back-to-back title contenders, he definitely deserves a title shot, but he's not as popular as Izzy. Izzy's going to bump up. He's definitely going to go for the title, and they're going to obviously card it as a super fight. So when it comes to pay-per-view buys and it comes to money overall, the UFC is 100% going to go for that. And Glover's at the standstill where he is, again, on the opposite side of 40 where he's like, damn, I need the fight. I need the fight as soon as possible, but I can only take this one fight because any other fight is going to be crucial unless it is for an interim belt. The only problem is I don't see them putting an interim belt. I do believe Jan should defend his belt first before fighting Izzy or even making some type of super fight accusation. But, you know, they they want to give Izzy and then that's kind of how sadly the UFC plays their game where they just, they see big money on the table. Let's do that. But I believe Glover 100% deserves a title shot.
1: So here's what's throwing me off about, yes, but what's throwing me off about this entire thing is the timeline, okay? Because Jan Blachowicz tells ESPN that it seems as if this fight is going to take place in March. That's fine, but Robert Whitaker was on What the Heck this past week and said he absolutely wants to fight Adesanya, and the one thing that was holding this from happening was the timeline. He wanted to wait until March or April so he could fight, or he could spend Christmas with his family. He's got a kid on the way due in January. If this fight was happening in January between Boholovic and Adesanya, yeah, I guess it makes sense. But to have it in March, quite frankly, seems like a giant slap in the face to Robert Whittaker. So with this potential development here, Shorty, what would you rate the chances between 1 and 10 that the UFC says, you know what, we're going to pull an audible because they, I mean, they have drummed up some excitement And now we can sort of put things back in order. You could do Bohovich versus Teixeira, do Adesanya versus Whitaker on the same card, and then you could save the super fight for another time. Is that at all possible here?
4: I believe it's possible because they both are obviously title fights. Very, very, uh, you can capitalize on both of them, especially both in the card. I would personally separate them both just because it's more money in the long run and being able to build a card after that or build a card with maybe Jan and, and to share being a f- uh, free on ESPN and then easy Whitaker too being pay-per-view, but you know, UFC does what they want to do. I'm not the business guy. So for me, I think there could be an audible, but I, I just don't see that happening anytime soon.
1: Any chance the UFC changes gears at all, Jose, or are they just all in on this Blachowicz versus Adesanya fight?
3: I think it would depend a lot on other fights they're announcing because I can't imagine it like because if they do fight like I agree with with Shorty, they should separate the fights if they are going to hold those two separate ones because the UFC always puts the heavier weight class at the top of the card. I cannot imagine Yonbel because like like Shorty said Glover's not as popular because he's a nice guy. He's a good fighter. He doesn't talk trash. He's just the definition of a martial artist. He's the gentleman that could beat your ass. The only other one that might be slightly more boring than him personality-wise is Jan Blachowicz, and by boring, I don't mean like he's hes not an interesting guy. He's just not a trash talker. He just goes out there and violently finishes his opponent. So uh, I can't imagine they want a fight between Jan Blachowicz and Glove to share a headlining over Israel signing and Robert Whittaker, too, so I would absolutely separate them. Now, uh, if they are going to separate them, I don't know when they're going back to Fight Island because I would imagine both of these would probably happen at Fight Island or – I know we've heard rumblings of the heavyweight title maybe in March and April too. I would have no issue if the light heavyweight championship of the world was the co-main event of the heavyweight title. So you could put two titles on the same card and Israel's not being overshadowed uh, by, a, by the heavyweight championship or the light heavyweight championship. So Jan Glover is not going to move the needle in terms of pay-per-view buys. The heavyweight championship will be, especially if it's Stipe versus Francis. So, Stipe Francis as the main event and Jan and Glover as the co-main event, that is an awesome top of the card. I mean, we've seen that before at UFC 220 when Stipe Francis headlined and the co-main event was Daniel Cormier uh, versus uh, Vulcan Ozdemir. So, the precedent is there for heavyweight and light heavyweight being on the same card. But… Don't think that's going to happen. I do think Izzy's going to fight Jan Blachowicz because I really think, which has been the theme for Jan Blachowicz's like past few years, they want someone to beat Jan and then catapult them to the next fight. We saw that with array we saw that with Luke Rockhold, we saw that with uh, with all of these fighters, and now they want Izzy to win champ champ fighting John Jones, July twenty twenty one. So, unfortunately, I feel like that's going to be the case. I don't know who's going to win that fight. Obviously, I would favor Israel Adesanya, but I can't imagine the UFC is going to not want to make that massive money-making fight.
1: So, with that, Jose, is there any chance that John Jones gets the heavyweight title shot? Because we talked about this on the on the post-fight show the other night. Like, the question kind of was brought up, who fights for a title first, Glover Teixeira or Francis Agana? Who's going to get the bigger short end of the stick, so to speak? And... It's kind of a tough question right now because to put the sizzle on top of Adesanya versus Jones, the UFC just loves slapping titles on everything they can. Is there a chance that John Jones fights for the heavyweight title before he fights Adesanya?
3: I mean, there's a chance for everything in the UFC, but I don't think so. I actually think Francis will fight Stipe first. And then I would not be surprised if John Jones is bulking up to heavyweight and Izzy said he would follow him up there. Why would you want... Like say John, why? Why would you want to jeopardize that? So if John Jones wants to fight for the title and he wins, I don't think the UFC is going to want to put three divisions on notice. I wouldn't be surprised if Izzy if, if Izzy does want to move up to fight heavy, to to heavyweight to fight John Jones. John Jones has no intention of dropping back down to 205. I wouldn't be surprised if Izzy fights John Jones at heavyweight for no title. It's just a, it's just an awesome fight. You don't need a title between those two. Kind of like Conor and Nate uh, when they fought. It was just a champion moving up a division to fight another guy that he has bad blood with on international fight week. So I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to make John Jones Izzy at heavyweight for a no title. And then the winner, if John Jones wins and he beats Israel at heavyweight, fine, he can fight for the title. Uh, but I would not, I would not allow anyone to skip over Francis and Ghana because the dude is beating everyone with one punch in like sub minutes. So, yeah, no one should skip Francis Gano at this point, uh, but the timelines are all murky uh, because if John wants to move the heavyweight, I'm sure he wants to fight for the title, but he's not skipping Francis.
1: Shorty, if, if the play here is to eventually get to Adesanya versus Jones and we're not putting titles on the line or anything like that, why not just make the fight? Like, what if Jan Bohovich beats Israel Adesanya? Has the fight lost all of its luster before it even began?
4: It Technically, doesn't lose its luster yet because, again, Jan is just a different champion. He hasn't fought Jones. So if he loses to, to Jan, he loses to Jan. But it doesn't mean that that fight can never happen against John Jones because it still can be the super fight. I just believe if that were the case and that did happen where Jan won, then Jones would come back. He would fight Jan. And more than likely, that super fight can maybe culminate one more time. But knowing Jones, especially right now, he's playing his cards. I can see him waiting for whatever fight comes first, whether it's with – Jan, whether it's with um, Stipe, whether it's whoever defends the belt next. Um, Jones definitely wants to create history, especially with this whole Khabib stuff of, oh, I should be pound for pound. He wants the best fight to make him number one in the world. And for me, I believe it's the fight against Stipe first. But like, like Jose was saying, you know, the guy we don't really mention too much, that you don't, you don't pass Prince Nagano. You just can't do it. He's been knocking out everyone, and he's been in line right there knocking on the door for a rematch. And I believe the rematch is... Completely entitled. It should be there. But you know, again, John Jones is John Jones, and that guy can sell pay-per-views any day. So can he jump both? In all technicality, he can. But I I would love to see him versus Izzy, but I would love to see the right matchups first. And I believe that's Toshira versus Jan and you know Stepe versus Ningana first. And then Jones maybe come in with whichever one he feels is a better matchup for him first.
1: Right. I and I like to see meritocracy go the way it's supposed to go Jose so if the again if the plan is to get to Adesanya versus Jones why not just book Adesanya versus Jones what is the point of holding up two divisions Jose
3: I, it just could be bigger i think maybe the ufc is just so confident in israel adesanya that they just believe he'll beat Jan Blahovic and then the fight with john jones is that much bigger because this isn't nate diaz versus connor where nate diaz is filling in on 11 days notice and that that turns into a big super fight this is izzy saying he will like how long has Izzy been saying he's going to fight john jones international fight week july 2021 He's been saying that for like the better part of the last 18 months also i have a feeling the ufc really would really really want fans in attendance for that card maybe they're holding out uh so if they do want to put it in abu dhabi or fight island and they can allow some fans in why not so i feel like if they booked it now the chances of fans being in being in attendance is a lot slimmer than if they waited for the summer plus john jones is very meticulous with his preparation. I don't know if there's another fighter out there who takes his preparation for fight as seriously as John Jones. I'm not saying fighters don't take it seriously, but John Jones needs he needs like ample time. He doesn't take short notice fights. He wants to get his body right, so he's bulking up now. If you follow him on Instagram, he's getting big. He's like putting in the work to get two heavyweight sides. He's getting like two thirty. Uh, so I feel like John Jones wants time to get his body right at heavyweight, uh, and the UFC wants fans in attendance. So what does that lead to? July of 2021, just like Izzy said.
1: I I, I agree with all that, but I, I just don't understand the the jumping up divisions. It just doesn't make any sense, especially with the timelines. It makes absolutely no sense. Like He could fight Whitaker and still fight Jones at heavyweight, and it's the same thing. But we will see what happens with all this. A pretty wild situation for sure. It seems like Glover DeShera is the odd man out, and it's just unfortunate. So my my suggestion, just have DeShera ready. Have him weigh in. He's a backup for whenever that fight happens, and Worst case scenario, he slides in there. Best case scenario, he gets an extra paycheck for making weight. But the point for this round goes to. There's the drum roll, Jose Youngs. Jose young Boo! Jose it's
4: like ah ah.
1: <laughs> I said it, and I was like, I feel like this game's it, fixed. I feel like this game's
4: fixed. <laughs>
2: All right, we
1: uh let's go ahead and officially put a bow on UFC Vegas 13 right now as the return of one of our favorite segments is back on the program, the three star segment. Of course, Glover Teixeira would be on everybody's list on the three stars, but uh that's obvious, so we're going to remove him from the equation. So, Jose Shorty Torres outside of Glover Teixeira, who are your three stars from this past Saturday night's UFC Vegas 13 event and why? Damn, I gotta go first. I wasn't expecting that.
4: Um, damn, I don't know what to do with my hands. Okay, so the three I have is Andre Arlowski, because that guy's beaten two guys at the age of 41. How many how many UFC fights does he even have? Is it like 29? Like, there's no way someone should have this many UFC fights in general, and, and just as many fights he has overall. Seriously, when was his first fight? Like, 1995 has, or something like that to,
3: like to put it in to put it into perspective he made his pro debut not ufc debut pro debut before chase Super was born
4: like i mean come on this guy's still fighting and beating dominant prospects coming up in the game with philip lins and his last opponent this saturday he might not be super dominant he might not be getting the knockout finish but to be at his age still competing and adapting to these younger, probably better opponents, he's u- using his veteran skills and experiences to win all these matchups. And he's still improving as his game goes on. I believe he did have that quote that he's trying to be like George Foreman. You know, like my better years are to come. You know, they're just time's gotta come and I gotta keep on fighting. That's what he's doing. And so far, he's my first shout out. Next, who's the one that followed Claudia? I don't know how to say her name. Yan? 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 Yan. Yan? Yan. Sorry, Yan, has- Yan Yan, Yan, to be a former title contender in Claudia Gedalia and to be as dominant as she was in those second and third rounds, again, it was very close. But to be, you know, super just pressuring that first round and get taken down immediately and over and over and over again, it's exhausting to work your way back up. It's, it's exhausting knowing that the adrenaline's up, that you are now losing this round. But to come back again, I'm a, you know, a Justin Gaethje style fighter. I like to fight in the feet and so does she She wanted to push the pace. Her hands are strong. Her hands are super, super fast. And she was able to adapt well, creating frames, being able to circle and land the dominant strikes to get the win on the formal title contender. So I believe that is a huge thing. And lastly, this is just me more of a personal bias as a fan favorite, Darren Elkins. Like this guy was in a four-fight losing streak. And no matter how many times you watch him fight, no matter who you see him fight, there is going to be damage involved. And yes, I know that is his nickname. I use that as a pun because this guy is always getting beat up. Somehow, someway, he's always on the verge of getting knocked out, but either finds a way to finish the fight or finds a way to get the finish in the fight. And in this one, I mean, how many times is he just getting rocked and rocked and rocked and takes his opponent down, rocked and rocked and rocked, takes his opponent down, and finally able to get it with the rear naked choke at the end? I mean, Darren Elkins is is the people's warrior he's not the people's champ he's definitely not the people's champ but he is the people's word because he always puts on a show and no matter what there's going to be blood and more than likely it's going to be his so those are my three
1: darren elkins the man that casey Lydon said bet your house take out your 401k bet everything in your life on darren elkins because he was due and if you did that you were a very rich man uh right now but jose youngs who are your three stars outside of glover chagera Okay, I'm just going to start at the top
3: of the card and move down so it's in no specific order of, like, who is a bigger star or the other. Other Number one, Giga Chikadze, uh, because he took this fight, I think assuming it would be Arnold Allen, still t- still stayed on the card and just got his first finish in the UFC. He's one of my favorite fighters on the roster, one of my favorite fighters at Featherweight, was a huge fan of him from his glory days, but he just he hadn't blown people away. Uh, in 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 the UFC, I think solely because he hadn't. Everyone hears about all of his striking and his glory uh, days, and how he doesn't touch gloves at the beginning of fights because once the cage door closes, you're enemies. You're not high five. You're not doing any of this. you solely business. He gets he goes in there, gets a violent finish. First performance of the night. Put, First performance bonus, so Gage Akadze, uh, starting off, and then I got to go Trevin, G- Trevin Giles, Trevin Giles, however you pronounce his last name. Uh, this was his first fight since he was scheduled to fight Kevin Holland, a fight that I was at, and I use this a lot when whenever we do preview shows or A-sides or Between the Links or anything. The fight is never official until the octagon door is closed it used to be until they stare down that went out the window due to COVID 19 because we see fights all the time where fighters square off fighters weigh in and all this stuff like Brandon allen ian heinish fell off like you gerald mirchart stared down we've seen fighters stare downs and their fights get pulled the day of the fight trevin giles and kevin holland they weighed in they stared down they had their hands wrapped trevin giles was ready to make the walk to the octagon and he passed out so that fight was scrapped this was his first fight since, and before that, let's not forget it was that fight against. Um, oh my gosh, I can't remember his name, so I'm probably gonna lose this point. Kraus, um, Kraus, Krause. No, uh, USC, that's nope. USC that's two forty seven <laughs> in Houston. I was at that card when Trevin Giles fought Kraus on like Kraus took the fight on like twenty four hours notice. It's been crazy like that, and there was all that controversy around him. So controversial win passes out sex before making the walk he needed a big performance and trevin giles got that with a with a very violent finish over bevan lewis who for a long time was like the prospect to watch at jackson wink and now he's on obviously he's obviously lost some high level fighters like uriah hall darren stewart trevin giles so he's not he still has a future but bevan lewis was at one time earmarked as like a future contender trevin giles picks up the big win and then of course Alex going to Romanoff. Anytime you become the first to do something in any sport, they can't take that away from you. First fighter in UFC history to win by forearm choke, or as I like to call it, the big brother choke, because that's just a choke. You hold your little brother down and put your forearm into their throat and just push really hard and say, give me my Twinkie back. And you take it from them. So 2-0 in the UFC as a heavyweight, especially heavyweights that are submitting people. You're going to go up the ranks real quickly. So back-to-back submission wins, still undefeated, makes history of the first forearm choke. Uh, I can't remember what the last, the last one I think was, a, was an arm triangle. So back-to-back chokes with his arm. So anytime there's a heavyweight prospect to watch, I'm going to be excited because everyone jokes that the heavyweight division is the old man's division and there's we need new blood. It's been the same people at the top of the card this whole time. Now it's on Alexander Romanov is a guy to watch in the UFC heavyweight division. So those are my three. Those are my big three winners outside of the main event.
1: Jose, you mentioned Giga Chikadze, and he calls out Jeremy Stevens after the win. And it's been like a tale of two reactions to this call, at least from what I've seen. It's either, "Ah, oh, come on, dude, that's a terrible call. Stevens has lost four fights in a row. He hasn't won in almost three years. Others, like myself, think it was a magnificent call-out. What say you? What side of the fence are you on? Are you pro this call-out, or do you wish he went a different direction? I think it's boring, but I also
3: think it's just because Jeremy Stevens is a guy that people know, but like you said, he's a four-fight losing streak, so I get it. You want to fight. He's obviously... The last few guys that have beat him, like Cater and Yair Rodriguez and all these guys, like they're big names now. So people are using Jeremy Stevens as a way to kind of catapult themselves up the rankings or get a violent fight. Or, you know, people are going to want to tune in to watch Jeremy Stevens fight. Uh, I believe he has the most losses in the history of the UFC, if not like way up there. So Giga oh, obviously believes he can win this fight. He's a big name. He's an exciting fighter. He's fought the who's who of the division. So I get it. But I don't want that fight because I've been asking for Giga Jikazi to fight Edson Barbosa since Giga Jikazi, uh made his debut and since Edson Barbosa dropped down to featherweight they fought they've been kind of circling each other on these cars around the same time so i've been asking for that fight forever and i also obviously want jeremy stevens to fight shane burgos because i just think that's super violent uh, all the way around now that of course jeremy stevens beat josh sam josh sam beat shane burgos uh and now uh these both both uh burgos and stevens are coming off losses i think that's just a violent fight all around so i i get it if they make that fight, I get it. But there's just other fights I want selfishly as a fan. And Arnold Allen, I'll see fight any of them. If they want to rebook the Jeremy Stevens' fight, if they want to book him against Giga Jikazi, if they want to book him against Edson Barbosa, fine. But selfishly, I want Giga Jikazi versus Edson Barbosa and Jeremy Stevens versus Shane Burgos, and I don't want to lose those fights.
1: Shorty, of the three names that you suggested, uh, maybe we'll throw out Andrei Arlovsky. Uh, you know, He's 41 years old, gets a win, played spoiler, what, do you, what would you like to see next for a guy like Arlovski? Because, unfortunately, he's kind of in the spot where he's a former champion. He's either going to put guys over or he's going to play spoiler once again, which is always a great story. But, you know, what would you kind of like to see next for a guy like that or, or any of the fighters on your list?
4: Man, I got to pull out the UFC heavyweight rankings because this guy, given I'm a small guy, so I don't, I don't follow the heavyweights that much. But with Andre Arlovsky, for him, he needs to pick safe fights. You know, so moving up slowly in the rankings makes sense, but it also doesn't make sense because of his age. You don't know when his body's finally going to, you know, give out type of thing. So for him, he needs to move up slowly. He hasn't taken much damage in these fights. And overall, you know, finding another prospect is dangerous, but so far, his veteran experience and what he's been doing has been a great thing. And people love to call me while I do it. (laughs)
1: Uh Oh, I don't hear him. I don't
0: he hear, hear you. you. We lost audio. This is the truck. Um, uh, Mr. Shorty Torres, can you fix your microphone? All
4: right, am I back
1: on?
0: He's back, yeah. he's back.
1: All right. Oh, yeah.
0: Nope, you're gone again, oh, it, sir. You're gone I lost again. lost that
1: point. Oh, there he is.
4: Oh, oh, now I can't hear you guys.
0: Can you hear it? What, what check, check one, check two. Oh that. What is he doing?
1: <laughs> I can't hear him again. What did he do? Who tried to call on him? I want to know. Wait. There you go.
4: Yeah! All right. I was like, I didn't 100% lose that point. But what I, what I want to say is... I'm sorry. People like to call me. So what I want say is... Andre Lasky overall should move up slowly. I don't know who is next for him, but, you know, what, does, does Andre Lasky is he ranked right now? No, right? No. Yeah, so maybe someone in the top, you know, 15, the, the 10 to 15 is probably somewhere he should be. Again, he has been UFC champion before. He has been against the top guys, but... For him, maybe three more fights, four more fights to finally get to the top, but it has to be as soon as possible because, again, age won't beat him soon enough. But maybe number 15, number 13, number 11, but no one above that just because I believe that'd be too much of a, a step up of competition too fast for him at his age.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's smart. I mean, probably an up-and-coming prospect is what he's going to end up getting. I, I had mentioned maybe he fights Alexander Romanov, maybe not next for Romanov because Romanov called out Marching Tibera. So I think they'll probably run that, and then if he wins, maybe give Marlofsky to try to build him up. But again, that's scary because Arlovsky likes to play spoiler and thwart these progressing prospects.
4: Or, or I'm looking at it right now. I think just a fun one, fan wise, would be Walt Harris.
1: I yeah, I don't mind that one. I mean, Walt Jose? Harris is
4: what on a two fight two fight losing streak. You know, so for him, maybe a co-main event, maybe a main event, just one of those you know smaller UFC shows. I think it's a fun thing. Again, you have a guy who's up and coming trying to get back to the top of his old age, and you have Walter Harris that's trying to come back to being a main event in a, in a few different fights.
1: That's actually a pretty good idea, right there, Jose. You wanted to yeah. chime in?
3: Uh, I would like to see Arlovski fight a. I like. I don't want to see him fight Romanov. I mean, it's a fun fight, but it does nothing. Like, it's great for Romanov, but Arlovsky is, again, risking a lot against an up-and-coming prospect. So maybe uh, Blagoy Ivanov, uh, I think he's in the 15, 14, 13 range, fellow World Series of Fighting veteran. Let's not forget Arlovsky fought, I think, on the first World Series of Fighting card. He's coming off a loss. They're both around the the wrong side of – well, actually, I don't even know how – Old Blagoje Ivanov is actually. I think Matt Riddle is older than Blagoj Ivanov, which is just baffling to me. Uh, so maybe him. And then, oddly enough, JDS and Arlofsky have never fought. So if you do want to give him these up and coming prospects, maybe the winner of JDS and Cyril So it's like, because he's on a, because if if Cyril Gaon wins, uh, he's, you know, he's going to be earmarked for something big. And like who, who is Arloski lost to? Like Ngannou, uh Jairzinho, Stipe. Like, these are guys that are now top five. So serial Game beats JDS. Maybe Arloski, he gets the Arloski treatment. If JDS wins, he's not fighting for the title anytime soon. I know they all train at ATT in various points, but uh, so did Jairzinho and JDS, and they fought. So any of those names, I'm fine with.
1: We shall see what happens, but it is now onwards to UFC Vegas 14, this coming Saturday, as the road to UFC 255 continues on, but the point for this matchup goes to... The man in the hat. Jordy Torres, he's on the board, gets it done. Purple wins this round, nicely done. <laughs> Can you say something, Shorty?
0: We can't hear you again.
1: He's muted again!
0: Uh, this is a truck once again. Mr. Torres, <laughs> can you turn your mic on? <laughs> Mr. Torres. I was like, that re- That reaction was way
1: quieter than I thought it was going to be.
0: Um, I, this is the truck. I need the, the shorter of the Jose's. Your mic is turned off.
1: Can, can you hear me? Can you hear me? We
0: hear you now, sir. We hear you now. Yeah,
4: all right. Sorry. <laughs> Literally another person called me. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Didn't I? Anyways, I just want to say I won the point. Ha ha. Then, then, then a boo boo. Stick ahead and do it. I won.
1: (laughs) Oh man! All right, so we are evened up here, I still want to
4: I still want to recount the first one. So I just want to say that we got to count the ballots again. No pun intended here.
1: Give us like seventy-two to ninety-six hours, and we might have an answer for you. But yeah,
3: moving ahead.
1: Yeah, so you in, you in,
4: Are you
3: in Florida right now, Shorty? Yeah, I'm in Florida. We were like the first yeah. people to open
4: up and just get everything done.
3: Yeah, we can't talk about counting and all that tomfoolery if you're in Florida.
4: <laughs> but I mean, we're Jerry, Jerry. See, I'm from Chicago. I'm, I'm technically a tourist here, even though I've been here for three years. This state, no offense to all you Floridians, whatever you want to call yourselves, it's not the brightest state in the world, and it's just always too damn hot or it's raining. So either way, I want to go home. I wear a winter hat here for a reason because there
1: you go. I miss home. <laughs> well, there you are. We're reminiscing here. But uh, as you're probably – everybody watching and you two gentlemen are aware of by now, this Saturday's UFC Vegas 14 event has taken a massive hit as one half of the main event. Islam Makachev has been scratched from his fight with Rafael dos Anjos for – I guess it, a staph infection is the reason, as he revealed on social media on Monday. And let's be honest, there are some fun scraps for the hardcores on here, but this is just not the most loaded card. It just isn't. But still, this is happening at the apex. It's going to happen. Some people are calling for it to be scrapped altogether. There's no chance in hell that happens. But uh, as of right now, as of this recording, no opponent has been named for Javier dos Anjos but has been the history on this program within an hour after we stop recording, they'll probably have a replacement. And then this question will mean nothing, but we're talking the here and now Jose Youngs. So let me ask you this. What is the UFC to do here? I mean, do they do everything in their power to just not just find a replacement for Hatfield Los Anjos? It's not going to be Michael Chandler, as you probably have seen on social media at this point, but find somebody with any kind of a name that is willing to step in on less than a week's notice to do it.
3: Well, I feel like it would have to be a welterweight because I can't imagine a either. He either has RDA either has to go up to welterweight to get a short notice fight or a featherweight has to move up to lightweight because I can't imagine there's many lightweights out there that want to cut to 155 on like six days notice. So uh, off the top of my head, RDA could could rematch Anthony Pettis at welterweight. I know they both called like RDA said he'd fight Pettis after Pettis beat Cowboy. Pettis kind of raised his eyebrows and said, that's interesting. I don't know if Anthony Pettis is in camp at all. Um, Luis Pena said he would fight him. He's obviously not the biggest name in terms of what will move you up the division, but at least people recognize the name given his his nickname and time on the Ultimate Fighter. Um, Man, I don't know any featherweight, so I feel like he, he would want some sort of big name at featherweight too. Gika Chikazi wants to turn around and fight RDA at lightweight. I wouldn't say no to that hmm yeah i don't know that's a tough one i don't know the, the the rankings off the top of my head but i i can't imagine he's going to fight a lightweight he's either going to fight up fight a blown up featherweight or he's going to have to go up to welterweight to stay on this card
1: shorty is the answer just we're doing everything to keep rda on this card opponent doesn't really matter at this point are we going to try to like stack the deck at least somewhat to garner any kind of an interest or is just is it just mainly keep rda on this card no matter how you do it
4: you need RDA on this card. It's not a stacked event. And people are really just watching for that big name. Islam Akachev is that other side of that big name. He is the Khabib replacement. He is the Khabib prodigy, you know? So I've been punched by both Khabib and Islam Akachev. And I can tell you, Islam Akachev is the real deal. And that was five years ago. And I still feel the pain. Anyways, it's the fact of with RDJ, especially trying to come back. It's been, what, 10 months since his last fight, or around 10 months? He needs a fight. You know, especially him getting older, possibly even paying for camp as well. And especially throughout this whole COVID thing, it has been a while since his last fight. I would like to see him fight a lightweight because obviously he's moving back down the lightweight for a reason. But because it is last minute, maybe make it a catchweight somewhere or maybe make it just for this one fight at Welterweight since it is a last minute event. I personally would love to see an up-and-comer fight him. And that would be Drew Dober. Drew Dober is on a three-fight winning streak, has beat three notable guys. And I believe this would be a great fight for both of them in general.
1: Yeah. Do we're supposed to fight Diego Fajeda last week? And that fight was scrapped because Fajeda was he, said he had an arm injury, but apparently Diego Fajeda is ready to go because I spoke to him earlier today and he wants that fight. So we'll see what happens there, but let me, uh, Weird let, let that me hurts, ask you this. Right? It's crazy. Yeah. I'm ready a week later, but, uh, Shorty, let me ask you this. With things as they currently are, and like I said, by the time you hear this, I'm sure there'll be an opponent already named, but if you're Bellator, Shorty Torres, you have an event coming up on Thursday night with a pair of featherweight Grand Prix fights, one of which is for the title between Patricio Pitbull and Pedro Carvalho. You get Aaron Pico back. Carrie Melendez is on this card. It's pretty good is this the sort of opening that Bellator needs to grab some of that attention, some of that momentum back since the pandemic shut them down for a few months earlier this year, because no matter what they've done, no, signing free agents, you put on Musashi versus Lima, nothing has seemed to work. Is this kind of the opening they need to get some more eyeballs? Uh,
4: maybe it might be the opening as in like, Oh cool. We finally got this one free week. We have a better card than UFC. The only problem is, I mean, no offense to Bellator, they don't promote themselves well enough to really be known outside of YouTube, outside of the zone, outside of Paramount or their streaming networks. So, for for the average MMA fan, you don't really know too much about Bellator unless the big guys at the main, you know, at the top of the card are promoting the hell out of it. But more than likely, you you don't know those guys unless you followed the guys who are from the UFC transferring over, like for example, Sergio Pettis. Then, cool, maybe you're going to tune in. But unless you have been paying attention to Bellator since day one, or or even maybe a few years ago, you really don't know much about them. So is it a huge card for them this week? Yes. Is it still going to maybe gain a little more views because of this UFC card? Possibly a little bit, but I don't see this being a substantial gain for them. I just believe they need to change their whole marketing aspect to really promote in general to not just MMA fans, but the UFC fans as well and show that, for example, Michael Chandler is going to be that, that person like Eddie Alvarez was. To show that Eddie Alvarez, when he won the belt, it's like, man, a Bellator champ can be the UFC champ as well. Man, Bellator has some good fighters. Michael Chandler is that next guy up to see if he can be this great champion and see if Bellator is that phenomenal promotion. So honestly, I I don't believe this week is going to do anything until Michael Chandler finally makes his debut.
1: Jose, I mean, I know Bellator is not waking up in the morning and saying, wow, I wonder what the UFC's doing. I wonder if Papiel DeSandres' opponent fell out. But you have to imagine, I'm sure they're not like overly celebrating the fact that one half of the UFC's main event is out. But at the same time, as a promotion, as someone who's looking to get a little bit of a bump, this is not the worst news for them. Is it important for them to go out there and have a kick-ass show on Thursday? Because most MMA fans, when you have the choice between two events, you're only going to pick one. You and I, we're going to watch everything, but... You know what I'm saying?
3: Yeah. And I think it, it would be beneficial if they blew every single card out the, do- out the window. So it's, I mean, it's a good card. It's an awesome card. Like, I'll watch Pitbull, like Patricio Pitbull, fight anybody. Pedro Carvalho uh, has been obviously earmarked as one of these upcoming SBG guys. I know our own Guillermo Cruz. It bums me out that because these guys were supposed to fight before the pandemic hit, he had that awesome piece where Pitbull and Pedro Carvalho basically interviewed each other. And it was the best trash talking between two Portuguese speakers because obviously Patricio is Brazilian and uh, Pedro Carvalho is from Portugal. So they were like, uh, Pedro Carvalho was like, first question to Pitbull, uh, who do you think you are? And it was like that kind of trash talking. So I love everything about it. Aaron Pico's obviously a big name. I can't remember off the top of my head who he's fighting, but it's obviously not anyone massive. But uh, Pico is on the, on the rebuild at this point, so he shouldn't be thrown to the wolves just yet uh, again. It's a third I think what's really hurting Bellator is this the switch over to the CBS sports network has kind of it, it, their fights are always on Fridays and now a lot of them are happening on Thursdays and it sneaks up on me because I'm so program to think about Bellator being on a Friday. And now that they're all on Thursdays and everything moves up a day, it just throws me off guard every single week. So I feel like maybe fans are doing the same thing. And I think Shorty hit it on the head where it's like they just don't do enough job marketing themselves. And I don't think that's any fault of their own. I think CBS Sports Network is has a lot of things going on right now with a lot of other sports coming back. The pandemic is still in full effect, but now we're getting the big four sports. NASCAR is back. MMA is probably – fourth or fifth down the list in, in terms of their priorities. So I think if they just need to come together with the CBS sports, people and be like, Hey, we need to remind people that we're Thursdays. Now we're no longer Fridays, uh, which I actually think Thursday is a better night for them in general, because not a lot of people stay in and watch TV or anything on Friday. It's always Thursday, Saturday. I uh, know they have to compete with Thursday night football, which is obviously a bummer. So I think in the off season, that will be beneficial when the, when the NFL schedule is out of their hair. Uh, It's a better card than the UFC. I'm going to watch both, like you said. I hope fans make the decision they want to make. But if you're going to watch one fight this weekend, it's Pitbull versus Carvalho. That fight absolutely
1: rules. That is a great fight. And since we're talking about other promotions outside of the UFC getting a little bit of buzz. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the big news from earlier today. Kayla Harrison is going to compete on November 20th. I think it's November 20th. Uh, Invicta FC 43, PFL's allowed her to go over there. She's going to have a co main event fight and she's making her featherweight debut. She drops from 55 to 45. This is really interesting stuff. Shorty, what do you think of this? This is uh, not necessarily cr- kind of cross promotion, but still PFL allowing their fighters to. Fight anywhere outside of Bellator in the UFC. This is a pretty good place to be on UFC Fight Pass. Get a lot of buzz. What do you think about Kayla Harrison getting an opportunity to fight this year? I think, I think it's great for her
4: because obviously you're just trying to get as many fights as possible, especially now being in her prime, winning the PFL tournament last year, and now making her featherweight debut, which that girl, that woman is massive, man. She is she's jacked. So for her going down the featherweight, I can just imagine how like ripped she's gonna be. It's gonna be, if anyone watches Dragon Ball Super, she's gonna look like Kefla when she just becomes <laughs> the brawly version. You know, the woman Broly. Like she's <laughs> she's gonna look jacked. But uh, and I, I like how Jose Youngs. That's the only thing Jose Youngs and I could agree on is that. So, uh-huh. but um, is it is it. Is it cross-promoting? Kind of, sort of. I just think, you know, you got to look at it for PFL. They had their whole season removed. So they got to find different ways to keep their athletes inside their contract. And all the athletes 100% want to fight. Whether they're getting a monthly stipend of like, dude, I'm, I'm not fighting. I need money. Oh, you're going to pay me monthly to stay in the PFL? Then cool. I'm going to stay in the PFL because I'm making this much. Or, oh, hey, I need this. But I also need to fight. And Vic does kind of like that that middle ground, the top of the top for the women. But you know, moving up to a different promotion. But you know, P, uh, uh, Invicta has many high-level women in their promotion that want to get their hands on Kayla Harrison and use that as a pedestal to one, really promote Invicta athletes in general and be like, this is a promotion you should really watch in UFC Fight Pass. And then two, for PFL, that Kayla Harrison is still staying prominent and still staying active and showing the world that. The PFL is one of the best promotions or best up-and-coming promotions in the world, and that next year you should watch their season when it comes on. So I, I think it's, it's big news. It's different news, very unexpected, but I see this honestly as a win-win for both. I don't see this being a, a bad thing either way.
1: I think it's great news for both and probably great news for the PFL roster now that they're seeing, hey, we can go out and fight. I know Mohamed Usman just had a fight for Titan FC. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought him back before the 2021 season begins for the PFL, but Jose, what did you think when you saw the news that Kayla Harrison's going to fight for Invicta?
3: I took it, I a, I'm Excited that we, she gets to fight in general Because fighters need to make money uh, Obviously there's way more competition Below 155 uh, in the Women's division but I also when I saw She was dropping 145 I thought Is Amanda Nunes retiring soon because they tra- Train at the same gym is Kayla Harrison seeing Amanda Nunes might hang it up. So Kayla Harrison wants to either win, go to the UFC and win the 145 pound title, or she could just go to the UFC, uh, Bellator and get that Chris Cyborg fight that she's been talking about for so long. Either one. I'm fine. I'm like, it's cool either way. I just want to see her keep fighting. She's like Henry Cejudo calls himself the best combat sports athlete. In the world with his gold medals and his tube titles and all this and that and then when i was at henry Sudo's retirement fight they asked him like who else did you put on that list like if you're number one who's like in the top five and one of the people he named was kayla harrison because she had the pfl title uh she had the the, the olympic gold medal and you've all seen the video on anatomy of a fighter of them comparing gold medals like what's better wrestling or judo and they had uzman and gaichi and habib wayne and everything so kayla harrison if you remember that dominance ma media day Two. the second one she stole the show a lot like her trash talking with habib her trash talk with henry you sudo know, all of it wasn't good fun uh, because she has the gold medal they're all comparing it so uh awesome to see your fight in general i don't care what promotion it is i think everyone should be fight should fight right now if they can uh i'm excited to see her back i'm excited to see a 145 to get more competition i think this is a, a step in the direction of either signing with Balancer or the ufc and getting even bigger competition
1: so I've been refreshing Twitter off and on, just trying to see if Dos Anjos has a new opponent it is not named yet. So the, the curse is probably going to continue, but stay tuned to MMA fighting for the developments on that as they happen, as you get ready to head to the final question of regulation and in the lead is Shorty Torres, two to one. Yeah. <laughs> as we head to the final question of regulation.
0: <laughs> Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
1: It's all good. We actually uh, we skipped this topic last week because... I don't know. I I know it was kind of like a big deal, but I felt kind of weird to talk about it since we talked about it so much the week before in a different context, but we'll go ahead and bring it up now because a few days after Habib Nurmagomedov defeats Justin Gaethje and subsequently announces retirement, Dana White does a radio interview and he states that he had been talking to Habib and it felt like the lightweight champion may come back in his quest to move to 30 and 0. And subsequently he also stated that Habib will remain the champion He will remain the top pound for pound fighter in the rankings for the foreseeable future. So that brought up a lot of interesting back and forth conversations. So Shorty, you mentioned earlier, you know Habib better than any of us do. You've spent some time early in your career training with that man, getting punched in the face by that man. What do you make of this decision from the UFC to sort of keep him around and possibly entice him to come back for one more fight? Who knows? Maybe more than that. I just wanna say if you ever seen a bear attack a fish, I was the fish. Like
4: that's seriously how it looked. It was all I could do was just flap my legs like this because I was on the top of his fix so it, was just stuck. Anyways, I miss you Khabib. Um you know I I understand what was going through because again, my father passed away last October. And I literally made a video about this saying, like, I don't know how he's going to handle this mentally. He might be going in there with a crutch, or he might be like Michael Jordan and win the freaking world championship at the end of the year and dedicate it to his father. For him, he was able to let his emotions out after the fight. For me, he literally did exactly what I wanted to do. I let it out too soon, and it it, it was a sabotage for me. So for Khabib, one, I am super happy, super proud of him. But when it comes to his retirement, it definitely is 100% emotional. Um, and I, and I know Dana obviously understands that, and that's why Dana's definitely getting into his ear and being a phenomenal promoter. He is again, the UFC is at where they're at because of Dana White's promoting. He's going to be able to convince people to do things. He's going to be able to make these big fights. And for Khabib, he's super competitive. So for him to say, I'm going to be at 29 and 0, you know, I'm going to be like Rocky Marciano and be 49 and 0 and never get that five. 0 for him, it's not get that 3-0 It's one fight away you know, I'm pretty sure your mom would be cool with you having one more fight. And that's what he said. He goes, Hey, my mother doesn't want me to fight anymore. My father's gone. I fought for my father. These are all my reasons why I'm stopping. And out of respect for my family, my mother, I'm going to retire. The difference though, is, is Khabib is super, super, super respectful towards his family, towards his religion, towards his people. And when he says something, he does it. So for him saying he is 100% 100% retired and there's no him coming back, whether it was emotional that day or not. I see him staying retired. Um, Khabib is a man of his word. and I just don't see him turning anytime soon. Dana White can do all he wants, especially get the fans involved, get the fighters involved, get everyone to chime in, keep him in the rankings, do whatever, let him keep his belt. I just don't see Khabib coming back, man. I would love to see him get that 3-0 against whoever. I don't care who he fights next. He could do what Floyd Mayweather did and just fight some random guy, you know, that wasn't even deserving of the fight just so he can get that 5-0. But, you know, Khabib, I I see him being retired, and I I don't think Dana White's going to be able to do anything about it. I would love for him to fight again, but I I just don't see it.
1: Jose, we knew this day was going to come at some point, right? Like when Mm Habib retired, okay maybe a year, maybe two, maybe three years down the road. What if we brought him back for one more? Like what would happen if this guy fought Habib? You know, same thing we're dealing with, with GSP for the second time around. But to have it like three or four days after he retired to bring this all back up and then talk about it again at the press conference, what did you think of all of this?
3: Uh, indifference, because like let's, let's, let's rattle a few of the other things Dana White said. UFC will never sign women. John Jones won't headline a pay-per-view. Amanda Nunes won't headline a pay-per-view. The UFC is definitely not for sale. Strikeforce will continue to run business as usual. Um, We won't add the women's flyweight uh, division. I'm pretty sure he posted a smiley face on a Fedor Instagram post when Fedor teased his return. And guess what? Nothing happened. So I don't really care because it's Dana White being a promoter. Of course he's going to leave the door open. So if if Habib returns – He's still number one. It's like when Henderson Huda retired, he was out of the rankings like the next day. Uh, so like it's – it's he wants Habib to be number one because if he returns, it's all oh, the number one fighter in the world is fighting. But who's Habib going to fight? GSP and there's no one really else out there I would want to see him fight because like he said, he already, he already choked Connor, He already choked Dustin. If Michael Chandler had fought in Islam Makhachev and beaten Islam Makhachev, like that's right there. Habib had already said, if Michael Chandler beats Islam – He's the number one contender. Didn't obviously happen. The storyline would have been there to go to 30, you know, avenging his, his, as he calls him, Islam is his brother. But I don't know who else is out there for Habib to fight outside of, uh, GSP. I know Daniel Wright really wants the Connor fight, but Habib's been on all the stations saying he's over Connor. He doesn't want to do that anymore. And of course, he has to talk to his mother first. Uh, he doesn't want to make any decision without her because apparently it was her decision that he would stop fighting. Uh, so, Give him a space. I have no idea what's going to happen. But if I'm going to believe something, I'm going to wait until Habib says it because Dana White has said too many things that has turned out not to be true.
1: All right. Well, let's let's play a little game. All right. Let's, Let's play a little game of things Dana has said. Will it become a reality? So, Jose, we're going to compare two things and you say which one is more realistic of happening over the other one. What happens first? Habib fights again in the UFC Or there'll be an official fight in a 165 pound weight division
3: habib fights first 100 uh and that's and i would give that like i'd give it a zero percent chance as a 165 pound division and a one percent chance habib fights again so i'm not saying that with confidence just one of them could actually happen as small of a chance it is and one of them will never happen in the ufc because dana white hates good ideas and he hates when people come with him come to him with good ideas that aren't his own
1: what do you think, Shorty? Because listen, I mean, Jose just ran off a a, a a litany of empty chairs. Hello, sorry, I wasn't listening to him. I wasn't. I wasn't listening to him. Some guy knocked on
4: the door. And I was just like, <laughs> uh, Jose's talking. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna go get the door real quick. And it's funny because I literally was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm on the phone. Just close the door. Like the guy is. The guy's probably still standing in front. Like <laughs> I feel so bad. <laughs> Anyways.
1: Uh, What's the that was question? wild because, no, no. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. Because, like, when we do, when we normally record this on Skype, like, even if I, like, we have the screen with the lower thirds, like, I could still see everything going on. But on here, I can't really see everything going on. So to see Shorty getting flashed with an empty chair was just hilarious. But no, I asked, I asked Jose because he ran up this, like, litany of things Dana White has said that weren't going to happen, that actually did happen, or things he said absolutely would happen that didn't happen. So, what is more likely to happen? Habib fights again, or the UFC Institute's 165-pound division?
4: Ah, this is, this is a hard one because, yeah, you know, man, this is a really hard one because Dana obviously said, I'm never going to make the 165-pound division, but you've had so many fighters say, I want to fight at 165. Brave CF has also done a 165-pound division. So, you know, it's one of those things that's like, why aren't other promotions doing it? It's definitely very, you know, it, it's in high end. Why not? I mean, Dustin Poirier has been been saying, hey, I fight Nate Diaz. And I believe other fighters say, I want to fight at 165. I just, I get why they want Khabib to come back. He is easily the most popular MMA fighter, even above Conor McGregor right now. Like he is easily the most well-known guy, especially overseas. But the fact is, Khabib's a man of his word. And I just don't see him coming back. I can see Dana White. Kind of, kind of folding a little bit and going for that one sixty five pound division. Khabib is just—he's—he's—he's he's, he's too strong for that. To I think to to break and Dana White unless he makes a enormous amount of money, which he doesn't really even care about anyways. Um, yeah, man, I, I think the one sixty five pound division is gonna come first before Khabib comes back to fight.
1: Jose, is, is the plan here they're just going to hold out hope that Habib might change his mind until the first punch is thrown on January 23rd? Like the fight between Connor and Poirier, not official yet. We don't even know if it's going to happen. We don't know if Justin Gaethje goes in there. We have literally no idea what's going to happen. But until a lightweight title fight of some kind happens in the octagon for the vacant title or an interim title, is that when the UFC decides to move forward with this?
3: No, I think they're going to wait for Habib to make an official decision because I think worst case scenario for them is they strip Habib and then he comes back and all of a sudden Habib's not the champion anymore. Like Habib has to be champion when he fights next. They don't want that's what the whole billing, the marketing is on. Like, what did Habib say at his pre fight press conference next to Justin Gaethje? Yeah, he doesn't care about champ champ. He has one goal. He wants to be undefeated, undisputed, lightweight champion of the world. That is Habib Nurmagomedov's goal in mixed martial arts. If he said if he wants to fight GSP, GSP has to come to him. Dana doesn't like catchweight fights, especially 165, because God forbid the two biggest, two of the biggest stars in the world have a fight at 165. And all of a sudden other fighters want to fight at 165. He wants that. He wants to be 155 habib wants to fight at 155 gsp's not going to 155 so that fight's not happening i don't think so uh, but i don't think they strip habib at all until habib officially announces i am done that is a wrap my mom doesn't want me to fight anymore here's the title and habib is one of the few fighters that can do that because he's undefeated and undisputed and he's one of the more respected fighters in the ufc so yeah Dana's not stripping habib anytime soon what
1: do you think jose i'm uh, shorty sorry jose jose shorty What do you think?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't don't know what to do. Um,
4: Yeah, I mean, Khabib has all the power here. He's he's technically, I mean, obviously a different mindset, different attitude. He's technically the MMA version or UFC's version of Floyd Mayweather. He is the undefeated guy that everyone wants to face. Everyone wants to see fight, especially with his last performance. Who thought he was going to murk Justin Gaethje like that? Not me, you know, and and who knew that Justin Gaethje needed to practice a little more jujitsu. But it was a fact of man, he just dominated that fight, and to be so dominant with a broken foot after his father's passing, with the possible crutch, you know, in his head, he he is easily uh, respect for me, especially because obviously understanding his circumstances, it's just incredible what he's done. And people want to see him fight again, especially after that last performance, especially after all the hype that was built up from that fight and how it ended and retirement. It it would be a miracle-making fight. I just do not see it happening. They are going to keep him as long as they can until, again, like Jose Young was saying, until he says, "Hey, I'm sorry, I'm going to listen to my mother. And if she says no, then sorry, I'm not going to fight anymore. I promise her that that's what it is. So I don't see Khabib fight anytime soon. Eventually they will strip him. But... I still believe they should make a one sixty five pound division. I believe that just makes nothing but sense. You have a bunch of fighters that want to do it. Other promotions are partaking in it. Why not?
1: Well, this matchup has been fun, and it will continue on into the knockout round, ladies and gentlemen, because Jose Youngs has tied things up with his Damn wonderful it. hat. So now we have uh, so dude at the put-
4: door. You know, I was I was occupied. There was a guy at the door. I'm pretty sure he's still there, which I feel so
1: bad about. That was one of the best moments in the history of the show was talking to an empty chair. And sometimes that's how you feel in this in this business. But we're going to put the pressure cooker on now. It is time for the knocker round. One question will decide it all. Each competitor will have 60 seconds to answer said question. They have no idea what it is. And then once that is done, we will turn it over to the judge, the jury, the executive producer, Casey Lydon, to render the final decision. So, Jose Young's... You are a former champion, so you get some spoils. Would you like to answer this question first, or would you like to pass it on to Mister Torres?
3: No, I'm not dumb, like A.K. Lee. I'm of course going to let the challenger go first.
1: <laughs> All right, <laughs> Damn it. Jose Shorty's like, ah, oh, you got to be kidding me right now. <sighs> All right, oh, Shorty. Man, you so like you, you
4: some square root is something. Watch.
1: No, 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 no. I mean, I, I, we'll, we'll see what happens here. We'll see what happens. I kind of came up with this question in the middle of this game and. During today, because I had no idea how I was going to go at this, but this is a conversation that we had briefly on the post-fight show on Saturday, and now it has taken a different direction because we found out on Monday that the fight between Amanda Nunes and Megan Anderson, the main event for UFC 256, that is off the table now. Nunes was forced out of the fight with an injury of some kind. We don't know what it is, but there. Have basically putting the pause button on that fight and they're going to do it sometime in 2021. So right now UFC 256 is headlined by Aljamain Sterling versus Piotr Jan for the bantamweight title coming up in two weeks. UFC 255 is going down. We get two flyweight title fights, Valentina Shevchenko versus Jennifer Maya in the co-main event. And then in the main event, main event Davis and Figueroa will defend his title against Alex Perez. So very interesting cards. If you had the choice, uh, Shorty Torres, if you could only watch one of these cards and you can't watch the other, which one are you picking? UFC 255 or UFC 256 and why? 60 seconds on the clock. Go.
4: Uh, there, there was already four seconds already going. Davidson Figueredo, Alex Perez, Shevchenko, and I forgot who she's fighting. The reason why I lost Alex Perez in every single fight he's come into, whether it's before me where he's just kind of getting decision or getting submission, with me, knocking me out, and then moving on, getting decisions, and then fighting for Miga and finishing him with vicious leg kicks. He deserves this title shot, being 6-1 and one in the UFC against Figueredo though. Figueredo is a phenomenal fighter, coming out of nowhere, being that, eh, decision with Jared Brooks, and then dominating the rest of the competition, and knocking out Joseph Benavides twice, which I, no offense to Joby, I don't believe he should've got that second fight, but it is what it is. And Valentina Shevchenko, she is the best flyweight fighter in the world. No one's gonna beat her, and I believe 100% she should bump to fight Amanda Nunes one more time, but that's just my prediction. That is the card I want to see because it is fun, it is exciting, and it is easily the best weight class in the world. Flyweights, gang, gang, what's up? that's <laughs> three seconds of spare. Three seconds of spare. Look at that. Three <laughs> seconds of <to> spare. <laughs>
1: He took those three seconds to to just lounge back and and pose. Just lounge it back.
0: I should I should
1: just go answer the door. You know? <laughs> <Are you kidding>? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about the clock. This is this is a new clock for us this week because it's kind of like the UFC's new uh nutshot timer clock that I wasn't used to on Saturday <laughs> night when that happens. So now we got a new clock here. We have a minute on the clock. Jose, you have a little bit of an advantage here because we briefly talked about this, but now we have of no more main event at UFC 256. I mean, we have a main event, but the original scheduled main event is no more. So if you had the choice, if you could only watch one of these cards, which one are you watching? UFC 255 or UFC 256? Your time starts now.
3: I love Alex Perez versus Davison Figueroa, and I think Valentina Shevchenko is the female James Bond. Uh, she speaks like a million languages. She shoots a bunch of guns. She jumps out of planes. She's an awesome fighter. I just don't think Jennifer Meyer has anything for her, but... I'm saying UFC 256 totally be different from Shorty. You got Marvin Vittori versus Jacare. You got Lee Jean versus Dwight Grant. Uh, You got Chase Hooper, the return of Chase Hooper. You got JDS Cyril gone. You got Billy Q, Gavin Tucker. And of course, Mackenzie Dern versus Verna Jandaroba. I love grappler versus grappler fights, and these are two of the absolute best grapplers in the UFC, regardless of gender. I love this fight, and then I think P- Peter Peter Jan versus Aljamain Sterling, because you said Sterling versus Jan. Champ gets top billing. Yan Jan is, could be the face of Russian MMA if Habib Nurmagomedov retires and Islam Makhachev falters. He is an actual champion. So, Khodor Jan, Aljamain Sterling, the best title fight of the three. The answer is UFC 256. That, that was, was, that was went good.
4: time by a second and, and all the people he mentioned beside the main event, no one's ever heard of. So you know it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really
1: matter, you know. <laughs> oh man. I, I have a feeling where I know this is going because Jose Shorty Torres, whoa, 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 whoa. Excuse me. Excuse me. Ladies and gentlemen, we have some breaking oh, news. Twitter. And yep, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad I caught this. I'm glad I caught this. RDA has a new opponent. Let me guess. He's fighting who Ponzinibbio no he's fighting Paul Felder. Paul Felder Paul oh! Felder <laughs> dang I love that fight <laughs> still five That's rounds still at 155 pounds holy potatoes you love wow this
3: love that fight. I'm I so
1: glad listen the question before means nothing but I mean technically everybody was right because we kept RDA on the card and this is a great fight that is a bonkers fight holy cow All right i'm so glad this happened before the show ended now i feel a little bit better about it but now we're in great spirits oh he's going to say that we're hot taken already but casey we go to you my friend we got this breaking news out i love uh i love the fight game sometimes but here we go casey you heard the arguments i have a feeling i know where you're going because one man spotlight a fight that you love ever so much Maybe some strategy. Oh, that's not, that's
4: not cool. He hangs out with him every day.
1: That's that's not fun. <laughs> Casey, who wins?
0: Ooh, yeah, yeah. Um, he he he, he played to the judges. <laughs> he played to the judges. This one's the easy one. We I mean, all, all credit all credit to Mr. Shorty Torres. You know, calling oh, out. Or, you know, but go answer your door, sir. Let's let the new <laughs> yeah, <go ahead>. <laughs> der- um, winner. Your winner, the tall Jose, Mr. Jose Young. Damn.
1: I knew as soon as is- Jose said Mackenzie Dern versus John DeRoba, I'm like, oh, shorty is so screwed right now. Well done, I, I, Jose. I
3: just, I just, I've had a conversation <laughs> with Henderson Hill in the past where he might not be the best fighter. He says, I might not be the best fighter on Saturday night's but I know the game and I know how to game the system and I know what the judges want to see. And that's what I do. So shout out to my fellow Arizona and Henry Cejudo for giving me the idea to play to the judges because they are the only ones that matter. Who cares what we think? It only matters what the three people sitting outside the cage think. I
1: just
3: want to say, I feel,
4: like I, I feel like I piggybacked Jose up the mountain and then once we got him so far, he immediately was like, Oh, hold on! Let's take a break, real quick. Jumps off and pushes me, and
3: he just starts running up. So yeah, yeah you're, you're... don't 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 <laughs> fight. As as you said, why would Andre Arlovski take these fights against these in bar- these barn burners? Fight smarter and more tactical, and you'll win.
0: <laughs> Damn it!
1: There you go. Wow.
0: <laughs> all right, Jose. That well, just
1: headbutts all day. <laughs> All right, Jose Young, do you know how this works? You have thirty seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about, good, bad, and different about sport and mixed martial arts. And uh, the floor is yours, my friend.
3: Well, I'm still cursed for everyone asking me. Am I cursed? Yes. Yeah. So this is the I you know, Jose Young's needed this win after losing his phone, his car got hit, like because apparently a parked car jumps out and scares people twice in the UC parking lot. My Xbox caught on fire, my refrigerator broke. Everything is falling apart, so I needed this big win. You can find us on the A-Side on Wednesday. I don't have a lot to say about the world of mixed martial arts, but everyone watch Patricio Pitbull versus Pedro Carvalho because that fight is absolutely awesome. Also, we got the two flyaway fights, all title fights, which I'll be at. That's an awesome card. I know I said UFC 256 is better. UFC 255 is still awesome. Judges, take it away.
1: And Shorty, you are uh, the man.
3: I want to say one thing. Sean Elshadi, come get this heat and you can be the second smartest man in Arizona after you lose to me.
1: Ooh. Clip alert. Clip alert. Clip alert. Get that out there. Get that out there. Start tagging, (laughs) folks. We like to see creating drama on the show. And, uh, Shorty, you are the man. I appreciate you coming on and setting trends with the hats, but, uh, I know you have a foundation. I know you have great things going on behind yeah. the scenes outside of your your work in the cage as well. So why don't we talk about that uh, before we say goodbye? The crazy thing is actually today I
4: got it confirmed. I was able to donate a good amount of money to Youth Crossroads in Cicero, Bourbon, Illinois, early in the year, but because of the pandemic, they weren't able to take the retreat and use that money, so we're now doing a Thanksgiving food drive at Youth Crossroads. I believe it's November 24th in Bourbon, Illinois. All details on my Instagram, Jose Shorty Tour is coming out very soon, but the Team Shorty Foundation is trying our best to keep kids, teens, and young adults, and just overall everyone in the community inside the gym and off the streets and giving them a different opportunities, whether it be around mentors, father figures, mother figures, whatever the case may be and just be out of uh, a negative environment. but guys if you want to follow me jose shorty tours on ig shorty tours mma on both twitter and facebook and TeamShorty.com with all apparel and everything on the website goes to the team shorty foundation so i appreciate all of the support we can we will together we are team shorty except for you jose yo, so you you take the head off that's
3: true <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure if you wear a black hat it's like the gold medal and the purple hat is like the silver medal so i think it fits right now <laughs> i'm
4: going to be that i'm going to be that one kid that's like
3: second is the best <laughs> second place is just the first loser
1: <laughs> so I guess I'm third, so I'm, I'm the one with the hairy chest, I guess. So uh, you you'll go. be able to hear Shorty Torres' uh, Gift of Gab on UFC Fight Pass next week as well. will be doing back-to-back commentary duties Saturday, next Saturday for, I forget the damn promotion. I just talked to Lex McMahon about it today. Lex McMahon is fighting on next Saturday, his MMA debut at 49 years of age against Justin Thornton. I know the name and I know... My apologies, but that's going to be on Fight Pass Saturday night and then Titan FC 65 going down the following afternoon in the Dominican Republic, and Shorty's going to have the call for both of those. So thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate it very much. We'll see you back here once again between the links for Shorty Torres, for Jose Young's. I am Mike Heck. Good night, everybody.
2: This has been Between the Links with your host, Mike Heck. brought to you by MMA Fighting, a production of Vox Media.
1: listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.